0: Good morning, everyone. Welcome. Welcome to Science of the Time seminar. Thank you for being here despite of the massive rain last night, this morning. Good to see you all in this room. It's such a uh, privilege to have Mark and Pam at a, as part of our Granary family. Would you agree? Yes. You know, uh, he's a very passionate man. Me and Luke uh, especially have our monthly catch-ups with him to, to be mentored. And we feel very privileged to have him as a mentor. But for now, uh, I'm going to invite Luke to come and do some uh, scripture reading as well as uh, Peter to come and do some reading. Luke will be coming and reading from Luke chapter 21, 29 to 33, and Mark 11, chapter 11, verses 12 to 14. And also Peter would come and read Matthew chapter 24, verses 32 and 33. So the scripture that I've got is Luke 21:29 to 33. He told them this parable: Look at the fig tree and all the trees. When they sprout leaves, you can see for yourselves and know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you will know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all of these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. And Mark 11, 12 to 14. The next day, as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves, because it was not the season for figs. Then he said to the tree, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him say it. I'm reading from Matthew 24, verse 32 and 33. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree: as soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see all these things, you know that it is near, right at the door.
1: Oh, good morning, everybody. I wanted you to see that that video because there's three people in there, and we will talk about it in the third session about nine. Uh, Keys to the tribulation, but it is very important because this is taking place in the world right now, along with a range of other things that are just going on. And so it's important that you understand that it relates specifically to the events of Ezekiel 38 and 39, which we will deal with a little later. But to see a Newsweek clip that has Putin, the Ayatollah, and Erdogan from Turkey, the three main protagonists in Ezekiel 38 and 39 and described there, um, can be for some people terrifying, for other people it can be electrifying, for me it's just plain exciting, okay, because it means we're moving on. But as we come to look at this, we want to deal this morning with Israel as the fig tree key, and I just want to bring something to you from David Pawson as we start, but before we do that, let's just pray, shall we? So, Lord Jesus, Father, in Jesus' mighty name, we just thank you for the fact that you have called each and every one of us to know you, to know you and to know and understand your will and your plan for our lives. Thank you for redeeming us from the curse. Thank you for redeeming us from the pit. Thank you for setting our feet on solid ground. And as we come this morning, we pray that you will open our minds and our spirits and our hearts to receive and to understand the things that you are saying. Seven times in the book of Revelation to each of the seven churches, you say, he who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. And so we would ask you this morning, in light of your word, that that would be the case and that you would guide us and direct us. And we thank you. We thank you for this day and we thank you for what's about to happen in our lives as we consider your word and the return of Jesus Christ. Amen. Verse 32, this generation, Jesus is referring to the generation when you see the fig tree coming into bud. Into and the fig tree, as we'll discover in a minute, is actually the national symbol for the nation of Israel. So those three readings that you have this morning and other readings throughout the Bible where it talks about the fig tree is important because that really is the key to the timeline for the return of Jesus. And so we're going to look at that because Israel and the fig tree key is literally the key to the times that we live in. But it's interesting that Jesus would say this generation, when you see these things starting to happen and Israel became a nation in 1948, he said that generation would not pass away until all these things have been fulfilled. So when does a generation pass away? When the last person of that generation either dies and there's nobody left, that generation has passed away. The majority of the generation that came with World War I have all passed away. There might be a couple around, but basically that generation is finished. But this generation that we're talking about now is currently right before us. And that's why we're doing this today, because there is this is the next great event. Can I say that to you? This is the next great event shaking changing event for the church as recorded in the bible the first one of course was jesus coming the first time to die on the cross of calvary but the next shaking event is jesus coming back the second time to claim his church to judge the nations and to set up his earthly rule and kingdom and the key to all of this sits in the middle of the fact that it is israel who is giving us the timeline and we're going to look at that timeline as we go through today I wanted to just read this from David Pawson because um, he went to be with the Lord just recently, a couple of years ago. But in his book, Israel in the New Testament, David Pawson writes this in the introduction, and I think it's very important. Let me read you to this. He said, There is a conviction that the Israel of the Old Testament has been replaced or fulfilled by the church of the New Testament. This new body may contain a majority of Jews alongside the Gentile majority and maybe even come a larger proportion one day. But the Jewish as a whole, this is not David Pawson, this is what he says their conviction is within the church, that the Jewish nation as a whole is no longer God's chosen people and must be regarded as and treated and judged like anyone else. The Jews are such as no longer have a place in the plans and purposes of God. If there were an accurate assessment of the situation, one would expect the fading significance of Israel in the New Testament. It comes as a surprise that the name Israel is mentioned 70 times, always with an ethnic meaning, the Jewish people. There is much about Israel's future destiny as about her historic past, especially in the pages of the final book of Revelation. Israel and the Church have a parallel existence until the day they emerge from one, as one flock under the shepherd, Jesus Christ, and ultimately as one new humanity in Jesus, the Messiah. You understand what he's saying there? Because what we were talking about and what has been the case, and of course, it's very easy to do it because Israel hasn't existed for nearly 2,000 years till 1948. And it's very easy for for the church, and this is what a lot of the church leaders did. They actually got the stage they said, well, Israel's gone, and therefore it's irrelevant. But in 1948, and we'll discover this from the word of God, that this was prophesied, in 1948, Israel turned around and became the nation. And the the readings that we have read this morning from Luke, from Mark, and from Matthew, all deal with the fact that Jesus is talking about the fig tree coming into leaf. And so what happened up until 1948 and earlier than that was that the people basically... Followed a theology called replacement theology, which said the church has replaced Israel. And we stand today and we discover that. No, the church hasn't replaced Israel. It's part of Israel. And if you want to delve into that, go and read Paul's teaching in Romans 9, 10, and 11, where he specifically deals with Israel and comes to a point in verse twenty seventh of the 11th chapter and says, and all Israel will be saved. And we'll show you how that happens because there's a national regeneration when they call upon their Messiah to come back. You with me? So today you're going to learn some new things. Today you may be challenged. What David Pawson is trying to say to you and what I'm trying to say to you today is if you're challenged, go back to the Word of God because the key to understanding anything in this Christian life is what does the Bible say? And if you can can match what the Bible says to the events or the situations in your life, then you immediately reach a point where you can see the hand of God in it. And so I want to show you in these next few minutes how Israel just fitted in, and we'll look at a a timeline of it as we go along. But it's interesting because the disciples asked Jesus in Matthew 24, what are the signs that are going to happen in the world? What are the four end-time signs? And Jesus said there's signs in the world, war, earthquake, famines, lawlessness. There's signs in the church. There's world revival running with with." people coming to faith, not so much in the Western nations, but particularly in some of the third world countries, there's a huge move. There's about 1.7, 1.8 billion out of a population of 7 plus billion born again Christians in this world, a large portion, almost two thirds. Oh, sorry, almost a third. And so when people say to you things like, well, the Muslims are the fastest growing religion in the world, It's not true. Christianity is. When they talk to you about the best-selling book in the world and they give you a book title, it's not true. The Bible is. Five billion copies a year get sold, year on year on year. God is at work, and he's at work in the church, and he's at work in the world, and he's at work through Israel, even though they don't understand what's going on. They are still locked in to being the fig tree. And so... Jesus did some interesting things with the fig tree, but let's just look at it. There's signs in the church, there's persecution, there's signs in Israel where they're lobbing rockets into Israel and all sorts of things going on, and there's signs that are going to happen in the heavens. So the four things are the signs in the world, the signs in the church, the signs in Israel, and, and the signs in the heavens. Jesus said, when you see these things, Matthew 24:33, know that the kingdom of God is near. And then he goes on and he says, and know that the kingdom of God is near. And he adds this, at the very door. So what are we standing in today? I believe we're standing in the last of the last days of the world as we know it. Anybody will tell you that having come out of COVID, we are now moving into something different and we don't know what it is. I think Pastor Sue was speaking about it last Sunday. She talked about us being in a gray area. When you come out of a gray area, you either go into a black area or you come into a white area the church needs to come into the white area because the world's going into the black area. Look around you. Look at the signs that are going on. Just take Pakistan, for instance, where a third of the country is underwater and liable to be for weeks where they're starving. Just look at the, the things that are going on. Look at, look at this with the three leaders of those three nations, Turkey, Russia, and and. Uh, Syria, because they're all coming back in to deal with Syria, and Syria they want to replace, okay? Now, the interesting thing is that at the top of Syria, there's a piece called the Golan Heights, which Israel took in 1967, and Syria wants it back. And when we come to to Ezekiel 38 and 39, you'll discover that's exactly where these nations, along with their other allies, come through and try to come into Israel, where God actually destroys them on the mountains, Okay a major world war but they're sitting there at the moment and here's these three leaders saying well Iran says we want Israel wiped off the map we don't want any Jews left in the world whatsoever. Putin's doing his best and they're coming out rapidly out of, out of um, Ukraine at the present time and moving down to Israel. There's a huge amount of stuff going on there and uh, I just want you to understand this but Just let's go back to Isaiah chapter 11. There's a prophecy in there, and I'm going to show you some prophecies today. But Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2. Sorry, verse verse 12. Try verse 12. (laughs) And he will lift up a standard for the nations and assemble the banished ones of Israel and will gather the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth, which is exactly what he did when he started to draw Israel back. So have a look at this video that Ian's got for us about what's happening right now, coming out of Ukraine and out of Russia and coming into um, Israel at the present time
0: also amid these spiking tensions there, nearly 100 new immigrants from Ukraine arrived in Israel Sunday, according to the Ministry of Immigrant Absorption, which did say, though, these new arrivals have been scheduled to immigrate rather than rushing to do so because of the crisis. But the Israeli government has continually encouraged Israelis residing in Ukraine to come home and has made outreach to the local Jewish community as well. Ukraine has about forty three thousand people who identify as Jewish, two hundred thousand eligible to immigrate to Israel under the so-called law of return for Jews and their relatives. That's all according to twenty twenty demographic studies.
1: When Gorbachev, who passed away this week, um, opened up the borders of the USSR, there was over a million Jews, Russian Jews that came out of out of Russia and moved to Israel under a thing called Alia. And Alia means going up. In Hebrew, it just literally means going up, and they're going up. They have a right of return back to your grandparents' generation. If there's any Jewish blood in you, you have a right to return to Israel. The interesting thing is if you become a Christian, you're no longer considered a Jew, and therefore you don't have a right of return. So the, the, the organizations like Christians for Israel, Christians United for Israel, ICEJ, International Christian Embassy, and a whole range of other ones that you've probably heard of that are working and bringing people back. Ebenezer's another one that's doing that. They, they've got a, a small dilemma, and that is if they convince the Jews to become Christians, become Messianic Jews, they lose their right to enter Israel. So basically they're bringing them in and then they're evangelizing them once they get in. Okay? that's Well, the Jews are very clever. You understand this, don't you? <laughs> so are some of the people that are bringing them in, some of the Gentiles. I just want to tell you there is a, there is one organization in America at the moment that is helping bring those in, one church they have they have brought 30,000 jews since the war began into israel following alia they have spent 8 million us dollars to do it 30,000 spending 8 million and there's other organizations that are just doing the same they're flooding back they're coming out of the nations they're coming out of france france is Don't leave. We need you. But they're coming out of France. They're coming out of the nations. They're particularly coming out of that area. Jeremiah talked about the fact that in the last days, when they started to come back, that they would actually, he would, God would actually send out the fishers and the fishers would go and fish for the Jews, which they did all through Siberia. There were towns in Siberia that only had Jewish writing and names on it. Nothing else when they got in and discovered it. But he also said, once I've sent the fishes out, I'm going to send the hunters out. And the hunters are out now, hunting them out and pushing them out of the nation. And so there's a whole range of them running back out of, out of Ukraine, which is, which is down there in the south below Russia and going back into Israel. All right. So the fig tree we're going to look at and how it relates to Israel. In Mark 11, 12 and 14. Jesus talked about that, which was read to us, but I'm just going to go back and show it to you because this is a very interesting thing. We talk about this story, and what we really do in some ways is we miss the significance of it. If Israel is the fig tree key and it represents Israel, Jesus coming back from Bethany, heading into the temple in the last week, He's been through the whole of that um, Palm Sunday and all that sort of thing, and so he's in that week where the crucifixion takes place. He's staying out with Lazarus in Bethany, and he's coming back in every day, and he's coming through, and he says, on the next day when they left Bethany, he became hungry, and seeing at a distance a fig tree and leaf, he went to see if perhaps, if perhaps he could find anything on it. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it wasn't the season of figs. And he made this statement, May no one ever eat of you again. Now what happened the next morning? Coming back in, Peter says, Master, look, the fig tree that you cursed yesterday morning is withered from the roots up. And Jesus says, Have faith in God. What is the symbolism of that? If Israel's key is the fig tree, if we're reading these things and saying when you see these things taking place and the fig tree coming into blossom, the key, then you're actually looking at the time and Jesus said, I'm at the door, I'm very close. This generation will not pass away until these things take place. So when you come in and you look at that, what is the key that we can draw out of that? Simply this, that Israel was no longer producing the word of God. They have become apostate. And today they're apostate. They're basically... Non, non-believing people. They don't even believe in the Messiah. I remember years ago sitting with the deputy of the Jewish council in Sydney having lunch, and he said, why are you working with we were working with some of the, the organizations like Christians for Israel and others? He said, why do you, why do you Christians do this? And I said to him, well, look, you can't say it's because of Jesus because they don't know what they're talking about. I said, well, it's about your prophet Isaiah, where in 1112, where he, I just quoted to you, he said that you, you return back. Do you understand that? He said, no. He said, we have no idea. We don't know what our history is. We don't know what our, what our background is. We don't know anything. We don't know a thing. We have no understanding of it whatsoever. And today they will tell you there's about 5,000 born-again Messianic Jews living in Israel. So there's a whole change that's got to take place. But that doesn't alter the fact that God continues to bring them back because his word said, I will bring him back. And if he says he will bring them back, he's going to bring them back, whether they're believers or non-believers, because once he brings them back, he can make them believers. So sometimes you've got to get somebody or something or a people or a nation into a place where God can actually deal with them and make them believers. So here we are with the key. So the symbol, as I said, is the key, is the fig tree. What's the spiritual implication of the fig tree? The consequences of rebellion against God are clear. Jesus finding no fruit on this tree cursed it and it died. And prophetically for Israel, who after rejecting Jesus as their Messiah were scattered in 70 AD, and by 130 they were totally driven out of the country, Titus came in and he destroyed Jerusalem and he burned the temple. And not one stone was left standing. If you go to Israel today, you can still see the stones, the big foundation stones, where they pushed them over the edge and they're lying as rubble 2,000 years later. And for 2,000 years after that, the Jews are driven away and wandered around the earth, being persecuted, being pushed out of countries, being driven away. But all of a sudden, as they have wandered, as they have searched, as they have desired to come back to their country, they had a prayer. And the prayer was this next year, in Jerusalem, 1967, Moshe Dayan, he was the guy with the had the eye patch in the wall, he took Jerusalem, he joined it back together, it became united as one. We'll talk about that a little later. He actually raised the Israeli flag on the Temple Mount over the Dome of the Rock, it lasted for less than 24 hours because the Mufti of Jerusalem came in and complained that that shouldn't happen. So Israel handed it, basically handed it back to them. God didn't want to do that, I can tell you. He wanted the nation. But Jerusalem now is not an undivided city. It might look like it, but it's been put back together. And all sorts of things are going to take place with regard to that. So Jesus said in Luke 21, we read, Look at the fig tree, which is Israel, and all the trees. All the trees refer to the Gentile nations, okay? And observe the signs of the times implying that Israel will once again be at the vortex of the nations. This tiny nation, that bit there, is the key to the timeline of the return of Jesus. Look at all the nations around it. Look at them, Saudi Arabia, Iran over there, Afghanistan, Pakistan, up the top Turkey, Syria sitting right on the border, Lebanon, which is just a basket case right now, Egypt, which is... Are so frightened of them after four wars that they don't know what to do, so they watch them very carefully. Libya, about to blow up again. Sudan, which uh, actually in the Bible, interestingly enough, what's now Sudan, south of Egypt, was back in the Bible is referred to as Ethiopia. It's not the Ethiopia up on the Horn of Africa, which we see today, which has got um, Addis Ababa as its capital. It's actually that. that, And Sudan's split now into two. So the southern part is Christian and the northern part is Muslim and that's basically what they're referring to. So you can see that as you go on and then you come across to the right there and then you hit into Ethiopia. See how the whole thing works? Now what's happening right up in the corner right now in Tigray province, which is there, butting onto Sudan, that's where the civil war is taking place. So what comes out of that? Well, it'll be interesting to see. All right? So this tiny land bridge is key to connecting Asia, Europe and Africa and the nations of the world and has been sacked more than 44 times and fought over for over two millennia, okay, longer than that, held under the hand of Gentiles, held under the hand. This is, this is key. Israel has been under the hand of the Gentiles since 587 BC, 586 BC, when Nebuchadnezzar from Babylon took Jerusalem and sacked it. And from then, with very few exceptions of some short rebellion, even right through to today, Israel has still been under the hand of the Gentiles. And that's the time of the Gentiles that we've been living in for 2,000 years since Jesus ascended back to heaven after rising from the dead. So they really have never been set free. They've really never had the opportunity to do their own thing in two and a half thousand years. It's incredible, isn't it? So let's apply the parable of the fig tree to recent events and ask the questions like, when did Israel, the fig tree, start to bud? And when did Israel emerge into the world scene? So let's have a look at it. Israel buds and reappears on the world stage. This is Theodore Herzl. Grandson is now president of Israel. 1890, Theodore Herzl started what was called Zionism to re-establish the nation of Israel. He's got a very interesting story, but he just gathered people together and he started talking about the fact that Israel needed to become a nation again in 1890 and worked his way through. By 1948, by 1947, the United Nations, having come through all that, World War I, had got to the stage where they were ready to give Israel nation. So the United Nations... Then turned around and said, "Yes, okay, Israel can be a nation." And on 7th of May, 1948, Israel declared itself an autonomous sovereign nation for the first time in over 2,000 years. So here's what happened: Herzl just started working his way through it, trying to work out what was going on. In 1909, so this is 1890s, 1890, 1897, in 1909, the first kibbutz was established in Israel founded by Jewish immigrants from Europe. The kibbutz played a key role in Israel's agricultural development, defence and political leadership. In 1917, the British had the Balfour Declaration. Now, Balfour was the foreign minister of the British government and he, he issued a declaration that said Israel will become a nation because England at that stage had control of that area. So that was done. The Australian Light Horse, take Beersheba in 1917. They then move up and they take Jerusalem. Allenby comes in, takes Jerusalem. Then they go through and they take Damascus. But then they have to back off because the Brits are running the war, you see, so they then claim that they got it. But actually it was 800 horsemen. If you haven't read the book, I've got it here, if you want to have a look at it sometime, by Cole Stringer about the 800 horsemen who did the last charge at Beersheba because 50,000 British troops were dying of thirst. And if they didn't get water, they and their horses were going to die. So the Aussies with some New Zealands, with some Kiwis, decided, well, let's it's afternoon, let's get on our horses and go and see what we can do. So 800 of them climb onto a horse and start charging across the sands heading towards Beersheba, which is under Turkish control in the Ottoman Empire, and had, which has the only water that's available. And the Turkish people, soldiers, forgot to lower the sights on their rifles, so when they pulled the trigger it just flew over the top of the horsemen and they came in and they went straight over the top of the, the Turkish trenches, landed in Beersheba, took Beersheba and gave the water and saved everybody's life. A miracle because the fig tree is starting to blossom, see. So in the 1930s, oh, in 1922, the British um, gave the mandate back to the United Nations and made a roadmap for establishing a national home for the Jewish people. In 1930, The growing Arab unrest and immigrant Druze continue land restoration and all sorts of things go on. In 1938 was the first time the Peel and the uh, Woodhead Commission of 37 and 38 decided that there should be a two-state solution. In 2022, we still don't have a two-state solution. Why not? It's not God's plan. In the 40 s got the political and legal changes the League of nations comes has uh, gone after World war two and then the United nations comes in in one thousand nine hundred and forty eight the state of israel is born proclaimed an independent state of Israel, and a nation was born on that day isaiah sixty six one says "Let me give that to you these are prophecies that were written like Isaiah was written eight hundred years before christ you know isaiah sixty six verse one simply says heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool when then is a house you will build for me and where is the place that i may rest for my hand made all these things and all these things came into being declares the lord and this is one i will look to him who is humble and contrite and goes on and deals with that which i think should actually be three no believe we'll that so in the 20th century, the world government starts to grow up, Israel comes into leaf. In the 1950s, the law of return that I was talking to you about, where anybody who's got Jewish grandparents or Jewish blood in their grandparent lineage can go back to Israel and have the right to return. In the 60s and 70s the Arab invasions, 1967, 1973, 1982, 67 um, Six Day War, where Israel had some amazing miracles in 1973, Yom Kippur War, um, trying to wipe Israel off the map. And in 1967, as I told you, Israel and Jerusalem became under, well, Jerusalem became under the Israeli government for the first time in 2,000 years. In 1978, Israel and Egypt signed the Camp David Frameworks Agreement with Jimmy Carter, leading to a peace treaty in 1979 with Amwar Sadat and Yasser Arafat. Well, Yasser Arafat was one of the, um, Munich terrorists back at the games in 1972. They never actually got him, but they got all the others. Israel did. And uh, you go through all that, and you come to the point where, um, Anwar Sadat was assassinated. Do you remember that? assassinated because he made a treaty with israel and was written off and they just killed him and they moved through so we've got all the way through that and in the 21st century we're running into things like the boycott of israel uh 20 growing worldwide boycott where they won't deal with anything that's got any israeli companies or anything involved in it trouble is they have to because most of the things that they do are so important. Israel Developed is very clever. There's a book here um, you might like to read and we're almost out of time but there's a book here called Startup Nation and it's a story of Israel and how they they deal with things and develop things and and they actually invented the pill cam. Do you know what a pill cam is? A little thing that goes, you swallow and it goes down inside you. Israelis in two years produce 700,000 of them, sell them to the world. So this little cam can go down through your stomach and into your intestine and give you 18 pictures a second while the doctor's sitting either in the room with you or across the other side of the world. So everybody's trying to make pill cams now because they can see what's going on. They had to put lights in it because inside it's dark, okay? If you've ever looked inside yourself, it's dark. You understand that? It's very dark in there. That's why Jesus came to bring you light. Okay? But it's very dark in there, so they put a light in it, so there's a little light and it runs around inside your body. So then we come to Israel blossoming, and, and we, we come through here. alia we are talking about, continues. They keep on flooding in and coming through, and more and more of them, and the nation's now about 9 point something million. Um, the immigrants are learning Hebrew. The national language spoken in Israel today, and basically, was gone, and they've re-brought it back, and they're doing it under Bibi Netanyahu, the former Prime Minister of Israel. Nine hundred thousand Jews were called to read the Bible because he said, "We don't know our history," so they started doing Bible studies. Now it's interesting because they're only reading the Old Testament. Okay, that's the interesting thing—they're reading the Old Testament. But why? Would a nation, which basically knows very little about God or their history, decide they need to read that? In order that, according to the Prime Minister, in order that we might understand our history. But while they're doing that, they're understanding who Jehovah is. 900,000 Israelis. Three-year course, Bible study, reading the Old Testament all the way through. Netanyahu ran a weekly Bible study in his office. The President of Israel ran a weekly Bible study in his office. And they just they just read the Old Testament and it started to transform and change lives. Amazing thing. So they get their language back. Understand this as the fig tree is blossoming. Their language comes back. They start reading the word of God again. And things start to change and move along. We come through. Um, then Israel becomes pruned. And this is about now. And the Islamic invasion, we saw that the Middle East war, the next war in the Middle East is probably Gog and Magog of Ezekiel 38 and 39 that we'll deal with later. Um, A coalition of Russia, Turkey and Iran and others invade Israel and are destroyed by God on the mountains of Israel. You can read that. It's there twice. The Jews are persecuted and Jesus referred to it in Matthew 24 as the time of Jacob's trouble, the last extreme persecution of the Jews. Gentile nations, pawns in the hand of Satan, are led to persecute Israel. Revelation 12, 13, as we come to the close this morning. And the dragon saw that he was thrown down to the earth and he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child, the woman being Israel, the male child being Jesus. And the two wings of the great eagle were given to the woman so that she could fly into the wilderness to a place where she was nourished for a time, times and half a time, three and a half years, second half of the tribulation. And the serpent poured water like a river out of his mouth after the woman so that he might cause her to be swept away with the flood. But the earth helped the woman and the earth opened its mouth and drank up the river which the dragon poured out of his mouth. And the dragon was enraged with the woman and went off to make war with the rest of her children who keep to the, listen to this, this is the church, who keep to the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus Christ. That's why you're getting persecuted people because he knows his time's short. Okay. And Israel's persecuted, it's pruned, it's going to go through hell on earth again in that seven-year tribulation period when all the nations rise up against Israel and, and come against her in an effort to wipe her off the map. So there, there's just this plan of everybody and you can listen to it coming out of Hamas, you can listen to it coming out of Hezbollah in, in Lebanon, you can hear it coming out of the, the nations like Iran, Wise America, the wrong side of the Euphrates, it needs to get out of here and all this sort of thing's going on. And, and so they're, they're just building and building. The interesting thing, uh, just to throw it in as we finish, is that Israel's just discovered the world's largest oil and gas reserves off the town of Tel Aviv. And Europe is desperate. Because this morning Russia said they were not opening the pipeline at all. So nobody's got any gas coming for the winter into Europe. And so they're desperate. Israel already is feeding gas to the Jordanians. They've always done that. And they're selling it to the Egyptians. And the world's coming to a point where they're going to have to come to Israel with these world, the world's largest resources that they've discovered in order to survive. Eventually, they'll decide they don't want to pay for it. So they'll all come down to Armageddon, which is on the same plane as Tel Aviv, and land in there and try to take Israel out so that they can control the resources they need. Israel, a fig tree. When you see the fig tree, know this. When it starts to blossom, then the kingdom is near, even at the very door, and this generation shall not pass away until all these things that Jesus talks about and we will deal with in the next next session, all these things have come to pass. People were at the end, not at the beginning. We're in the middle of this judgment on nations. We're in the middle of many things. So hope you got something out of that. Did you get something out of that? Okay. Thank you. Somebody send them to do have a break or something.